Okay, Brentwood, let's jump right in with a quick review. As you know, we've been talking about how our church leads people to new and deeper levels with Jesus Christ in four key pathways. We looked at the first one, connection with God. That's where we help people steward a life that hosts the presence of God. God is not powerless and and impersonal in our life. He's quite the opposite. He is very personal and he's very powerful in and through our lives. And we want to help people uh, go to new and deeper levels with that connection. Last week, we talked about community. We talked about circling up with the body of Christ. Why we want to help people get in the habit of getting together with a few Jesus-driven relationships that they can track with for a season of their life. God's people around God's word, empowered by God's spirit. Today, I want to talk about the gathering, these rows. Why does the church need to get together in rows? Why do we need to learn together? Why do we need to sing together? Why do we need to serve together? Why do we need to be under a vision and going after a vision together and to rally around that like what's the deal with that so today we're going to we're going to talk about the gathered church in rows turn with me to matthew chapter 18 matthew 18 we're going to get to that in just a second uh while my family was on our cross-country road trip this summer uh we ended up uh, right at week two in a place called elko nevada on a saturday afternoon we had spent the last three days up to that point um, tent camping in, in Yellowstone National Park. So we drove all day, finally got to Elko, Nevada. Uh, we were tired. We, we were ready to, to sleep in a bed uh, with climate control and no, no fear of grizzly visitation. You guys know what I'm saying? So, man, we were ready to get to, to that place, and we finally got there uh, on a Saturday afternoon. And I decided that as the spiritual director of my home, seeing that the next morning was a Sunday morning, uh, that we were going to get up and we were going to pack up the van early and we were going to go to church, uh, worship with a, a gathering of believers and then, and then head on to California before lunch. That was the plan. So I started Googling local church options there in Elko, Nevada. I finally decided on a church. I was like, hey, uh, I think we're going to go to this church tomorrow. Um, they've got an early service. And I had every intention of getting my family up early, uh, packing up the van and doing everything you know that we were going to do, except it just didn't work out as planned. Sunday morning came, and I, I got up, and my family, they were out cold, and, and, and it didn't seem like I was going to be able to get them up. You know, so I was like, you know what? I'm just going to let them sleep in. And I thought... We can get up a little bit later, and we can go to the 10 o'clock gathering at this church. So then finally I got them up, and then then it was kind of like, you know what? We need to start some laundry. Uh, We're not going to have laundry facilities at the next place. We need to to just do all this laundry. So we started doing megatons of laundry, and it got out of hand. And so I thought, man, we're not going to be able to get to the 10 o'clock service. So we'll just get all this done, and we'll get to the noon service. By 2 o'clock that afternoon, I had completely skipped church, and I was at like aisle 10 in Walmart buying road supplies uh, for the next three days. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I had a tension going on in that moment. Uh, Part of me felt guilty. Like, you know, I wanted my family to gather with some believers on a Sunday morning. 
So I felt a little bit guilty about not pressing and leading a little bit more on that. Another part of me honestly felt relieved. I was like, wow, like we got all this stuff done and we got all this stuff accomplished. We're well rested. We got all of our laundry done and we had time to get some to some supplies before we headed on to California. I think every single one of us have wrestled with that tension before. If you're a Christian and, and you've been a part of church gathering, you know what I'm talking about. One day, gathering with the church just didn't fit into the Sunday plans. And what happened? The next week, it was kind of like, yeah, you know, we didn't go last week and we didn't die. It didn't kill us. And then all of a sudden, six months later, you find yourself completely out of the out of the rhythm of gathering with the church and you can't remember the last time that you went to church or maybe you and your family had a baby and like you know you stayed out of church for six weeks you know don't want to take the baby and then all of a sudden you find out like okay you know we're kind of in this rhythm now i don't even feel like i know those people anymore like and you just stop showing up at the gathering or maybe you were going strong for a while I mean, you were experiencing some amazing things um, at, at the gathering of the church. But then all of a sudden, you got your feelings hurt. You know, someone took your parking spot. You know, someone called you out on something. Or maybe the preacher was talking about tithing one Sunday. And you're just like, man, I don't want to deal with that. And you just didn't go back for a long time. And, and you finally got back to church. But you remember that, that six months or maybe even that six years that you didn't go to church or maybe you just got bored and disconnected and and that happens. You know, you get in this stuck place in your faith and you start getting bored and you start blaming on the church and you start going, well, man, I'm not getting anything out of this. Like, why am I even doing this? I could squeeze another weekend out of the lake. You know, you guys know what I'm talking about. And, And if you're not a Christian and you're here today, you're, you're like, If I'm honest, if my friend Jim or Kelly didn't invite me today, there's no way I would be in this building with this group of people. You know, you just be like, man, I could be I could be squeezing another weekend out of the lake. I want to answer a question, though. I want to answer this question that I think we've all asked. Why do Christ followers gather together once a week? At least once a week. Like, why, why, why is that? And why have they done that historically and globally for 2,000 years? Now, if you're here and you're not a Christian, you might be asking a different question. Why am I even here right now? And, and if that's you, I want to answer that question for you too. So in some form, these are questions that we've asked. Why, do, why should I take my, my only day off? For some of you, Sunday, why, why should I go to church and serve? Why, like, why should I do that? And why should I gather and give my time to this? Today, I want to answer that question. But first, I, I want to make a statement. And this is an important st- statement. If you find yourself uh, at, you know, at 11 o'clock uh, at aisle 10 on Walmart on a Sunday, and you, you decided that you were going to skip church that day, okay? Here's what you got to, this will let you off the, God does not need you to go to church or go to a church building for him. He doesn't. So some of you just need to hear that. If you, if anyone ever told you that 
a building, there's the church, there's the steeple, open the door and there's all the people, is the house of God. Like, like the Old Testament tabernacle or temple. If somebody made that comparison and you thought, man, I'm not going to experience God at all if I don't get to that building or that space. Then I want to go ahead and tell you this. Like, that's not true. Okay, the kingdom of God and God himself will be just fine if you don't go to church next week. If you don't go to church for the next decade. Okay, Jesus still died for your sins. Okay, he still is preparing a place for you with your heavenly father. But here's the tension and here's what's at stake. And you got to hear this. You got to hear that this because there's going to be a time when you wake up in Elko, Nevada and you're thinking, man, do I really, do I really, okay, here it is. God has reserved something for the gathered church. I'll explain that in a second. That doesn't show up in the scattered church. Let me say that again. God has reserved something for the gathered church. That means you and me together in rows. And I'm going to talk about what that looks like in the New Testament in just a second. But that's what we mean by the gathered church. There's something that he has reserved exclusively for the gathered church that does not show up when we are the scattered church. When I say scattered church, I'm talking about when we leave this and we go about our individual lives, our family lives, and so on. There's something about when we get together that God only reserves exclusively for when we get together. So we're going to talk about that. So Matthew 18, here's what's happening. Jesus is teaching his disciples about restoring broken relationships in the church. Now, the church hasn't even formed at this point. So he is casting a vision for his future church. The word church means simply assembly or gathering. So what, what he's saying is, hey, when these relationships get broken in the church, here's how you, here's how you repair them. And he goes through this whole, I mean, it's a powerful passage of scripture it's the culture of this church. It's the culture we want to protect of this church. So there's a lot of things that we could teach in this passage. But I want to go right to the main thing that we're going to talk about today. And that's the power of the gathering. So Matthew 18, Jesus has just finished talking about how to restore relationships between two believers and, and, and eventually even the church itself. And he says, verse 20, for where two or three, now that's an idiom that basically means a group of people, so two or three or two or more, are gathered when they get together. In my name, there I am among them. There I am among them. Now, let's, let's back up here. If God's presence is everywhere, and, we, and we're informed by that, about that in the scriptures, that, that God is everywhere, he's, he's omnipresent, then what does Jesus mean that when we gather, he shows up? What, what, what does that mean? Okay, so this is important. This is not about God's presence showing up. Because it's already there. God's presence is everywhere. Instead, it's about the magnitude of God's presence being experienced. Let me say that again. This passage, this promise here, is not about God's presence showing up. God's presence is everywhere. He doesn't have to show up. He doesn't need us to get together to show up. However, the promise that Jesus makes here 
It's about the magnitude of God's presence. Now, he's talking specifically about the restoration of relationships. He's saying, look, when you guys get together as a church, as an assembly, as in a gathering to, to restore relationships, I want you to know that my presence is going to be experienced there in a magnanimous way. In other words, there is a uniquely powerful way that we encounter God when we are together than if we were apart. Now, I've heard it illustrated this way. Do you remember uh, taking a magnifying glass when you, were, when you were a kid and burning bugs and leaves with the magnifying glass? You know, you'd get the sun and you get that sunbeam and, you know, hey, hey, Mr. Ant, you know. Okay, maybe some of you don't want to admit that. I get it. That's fine. But if you think about it, you, you got this magnifying glass and you got the sun. The sun was there before you ever pointed the magnifying glass at anything. You know, it was present. But when you took that magnifying glass, when you took the lens of that magnifying glass and you honed that sunbeam, you focused that beam on that particular, that particular point, what happened? The power, the magnitude of that focus beam started a fire, didn't it? And that's what happens when we gather every week. God is present everywhere. His spirit is in every believer. But when that gets homed, when that gets focused together, a synergy starts to happen. God's presence, when we gather, God among us, God in us, starts a fire around us to experience breakthroughs. That's what happens. A fire begins. And when that, in that fire... We experience some things. We experience some breakthroughs. What, what do we mean when we, we talk about breakthroughs around here? What is that? Well, I'm just going to give you a dictionary definition. Here's what it means. A sudden increase in knowledge, understanding, or an important discovery that happens after trying for a long time to understand or explain something. A person's first important success. That's a breakthrough. So you've been trying. You're trying to get this thing moved. You've been trying to understand this thing. Like, oh, man, I can't. I don't get it. What is it? You've been trying to experience freedom in something or success in something. And what happens? You get that breakthrough one day. Well, here's the promise that Jesus is giving in, in Matthew 18. Like, I will help you break through with that fire that happens when you get together with my church. Why? God wants us to experience his presence in community. And... and magnification that leads to breakthrough. He wants us to encounter him together. It goes all the way back to Genesis. He says, it's not good for man to be alone. It's not good for him to be by himself. I want him to experience me with other people. So he wants us to encounter him together and to break through together and then turn our affection and our attention, our worship, towards him together it's like when we all get together we're like man god did that in you too he did that in me too man wow isn't this awesome and we're all a part of this thing together this spiritual family together christianity has never been designed to be a solo adventure it was never designed to be that way so write this down we gather to magnify god's presence and experience breakthroughs to magnify God's presence to start a fire 
and to experience breakthroughs, that fire creates new understandings, new successes, new freedoms in our life. And it happens in the synergy of the gathered church. So if you wonder, you know, why does Brentwood, why, why do we build facilities? Why do we rent facilities? Why do we sell facilities and get different facilities? Why, why are we looking for facilities to gather the church? It's because people experience the magnification of God's presence and breakthroughs because of it. Now, turn with me to 1 Corinthians 14. 1 Corinthians 14. Here's what's happening. The Apostle Paul is instructing the Corinthian church on their worship gatherings. So already you have a letter written about the church gathering. Like they get together and they get together in rows. Okay, this particular church though was confused about a particular spiritual gift, the the gift of speaking in tongues. And so he wants to help them understand when tongues is helpful and appropriate in a church gathering and when it's not. So right in the middle of these instructions, though, Paul lays out the basic elements and purpose of a, of a, of a Christian worship gathering that has existed since the, the beginning of the church. And, and, he, and he talks about some, some core elements of a Christian gathering. And this is going to answer some of your questions. Some of you are like, you know, why do we do what we do? Like, what, why do we do this stuff when we get together? So here we go. Verse 26. And what then shall we say, brothers and sisters? Okay. What's this all about? When you come together, when you gather, each of you has a hymn or a word of instruction or a revelation or a tongue or an interpretation. Right there in rapid fire, Paul says, churches gather, and when they gather, it should be filled with songs, sermons, and serving. Let me say that again. Songs, sermons, and serving. So if you're wondering why you see that around here, why you, why you hear songs, and why you hear sermons, and why you witness and experience serving together, it goes all the way back to the New Testament. Now, let's talk about singing real quick. Why do we sing in church? You know, we, we don't break out in song at work, do we? You know, we're not sitting in the middle of a coffee shop and then like a flash mob, you know, breaks out and we start singing, you know, Beatles tunes. No, it's not, it's not necessarily in, in most of our uh, daily experience. Now, if you are an actor and you, you know, you're a musician uh, you do Broadway musicals, uh, and you work in a theater company. You do this all the time, okay? Why, why do we sing together in church? Well, well, there's a biblical understanding of that. But you know something? This, this goes even beyond that. Like, there's a, something that God has hardwired in us as human beings when we sing together. In fact, n- the National Center of Biotechnology... Technology information. Say that three times really fast. Okay? They did a study and they concluded this. When people sing together, their brains make oxytocin. That's a, that's a hormone. So their brains make a hormone when they know that they are singing together. And that makes them feel trust, solidarity, and connectedness with the people around them. Trust, solidarity, 
and connectedness. Isn't that mind-blowing? That God designed our DNA, our brain cells, to make us feel a certain way. We feel connected. We feel united. We feel trust. We feel that sense of solidarity. Like, man, we're not alone. We're a part of something bigger than ourselves. Just by simply singing together in a corporate gathering. Wow. Like, and and you, you start thinking about it. Like, when you go to that... When you go to that baseball game or that football, and they're singing the, the national anthem, something's happening. When you go to that concert and, you know, you're all singing, you know, that Coldplay song together, whatever. And then when you come to church and you're singing these songs and you're like, man, something happens to me when I'm doing this. The Holy Spirit, together with my biology, is telling me something. You're not alone. You're together You're in this with some people. This is bigger than you. Now, let's talk about sermons for a second. These are words of instructions as described by Paul. Revelation or vision. You know, the vision uh, that God has for a particular group of people that come from the Bible. So we talked about that last week. The the teaching of Jesus. Why why that's so important. Why, Why a church has to get around the teachings of Jesus. And, and that's why we're doing what we're doing right now. The reason that we're teaching this and we're teaching the Bible and we're pointing it back to Jesus and we're pointing it back to the gospel is because it's the basic instructions of our faith. And when we get together to experience that together, when we're not just listening to a podcast driving down the road by ourselves, great teaching, great communicator maybe from from a, from a national church or something. And, and it's like, man, that's amazing. But when we get together and we're hearing the same teaching with a group of people that we're sharing faith and we're sharing life and we're sharing mission and vision together, a synergy begins to happen in us. We start to look around and we start going, hey, man, that's for us. Like, not just... You know, not just some general truth for the world. That's for us, our family. So that's so important. And Paul is just talking about the importance of that. Um, he mentions spiritual gifts, specifically about tongues and the interpretation of tongues. But, but really, he's just talking about serving each other with our spiritual gifts. We gather, when we do that, we have context. We have a stage in which to play out our spiritual gifts. Remember, the spiritual gifts, and we did a whole series on this in the summer, or late, late summer in August, gifted. They're, they're to build each other up. And, and, and they're to, to proclaim God to the world. And so we do that when we get together. And so that people who are searching after Jesus can go, man, there's something about these people. There's something in them, and it's coming out of them that is so compelling. Why, though? Why do we sing? Why do we hear sermons? Why do we serve and exercise spiritual gifts together? Here it is. Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. The church, the little C church, the local church. So that the local church may be built. So it can be strong. It can be healthy. We sing together so that the church can be strong and healthy. We hear sermons together so that the local church can be strong and healthy. We serve together and each other and, and, and the neighbor 
neighborhood around us and the community around us. Why? So that the church can be strong and healthy. That's why we do this. You know? And, and if you wonder, you know, why, why the singing and the sermons and the serving? It's for the purpose of building people up, getting them in a better place, leading them to new and deeper levels with Jesus Christ. Write this down. We gather to get better and go further, to get better, to grow up and to go further, to go to that next level. And, and, and you know what? We need each other for that. There's something about learning and serving and giving together that causes us to grow exponentially more than by ourselves. We get better and we go further exponentially more when we're together than if we're by ourselves. So why do we gather? Here it is. God has reserved something for the gathered church that doesn't show up in the scattered church. It's like being invited to a birthday party. You know, and you're just like, man, you know, I, if I go up to this birthday party, I'm going to have to bring a gift and I'm going to have to hang out with all this other guy's friends that I don't know. I don't, I don't want to go. And so you don't, you don't go. And you find out later that your friend invited everybody to the birthday party because he was giving stuff out. And all the people who came to the party, they got gifts. And they experienced them. In fact, somebody famous even showed up. It's like, man, did you, did you hear, you know, so-and-so showed up. It was awesome. And we all got pictures with him. What if that happened? You'd be like, oh man, you started seeing it on Facebook. Like, oh man, I missed out. I missed out on the gathering. And that's the same thing. God has reserved something for the gathered church that doesn't show up in the scattered church. Write this down. We gather to magnify God's presence experience breakthroughs and to get better and go further. That's why we are audacious and unapologetic Brentwood church about getting as many people as we're able to gather as this church. That's why we acquire space. That's why we prepare space. So the church can gather in it. That's why we, it, we and listen, it's, we don't want any of that to hold us back. That's why we keep saying, hey, make room at, you know, make room at this campus. You know, hey, go to that campus. Hey, come early. Make room, make room. Because we, man, we want as many people as, as we're able to gather around what God is doing here. That's why we go search for more space and different space. And, and, and I want to talk about that in just a second. But first, let me say this about space and specifically about buildings. Our vision is not about buildings. Buildings are just a tool to accomplish a vision, not the vision itself. And throughout our history, we have bought buildings and sold buildings. We've rented buildings. Uh, we've built buildings why? To gather in. Why do we gather in that space? Because God has reserved something for the gathered church that he doesn't, that doesn't show up in the scattered church. There's breakthroughs. There's the potency of God's, of God's presence. There's getting better and going further that happens exponentially more in the gathered church. 
Which brings us to a conversation that we had back in the summer. Uh, if you weren't here, like if you're new to Brentwood Church, you weren't here to hear this. But uh, those of you who've been tracking with us for a while, um, we shared a conviction to move Brentwood Church back to one more accessible campus location. Okay, News that when we gave it was met with cheers at both of our our current campuses. Okay, you know, two sites, you know, we've been doing that to make room and and we know that that was our, our options and in our in our path, you know, th- over 3 years ago, but we just said, "Hey, we just feel like this is what's next for us. We're going to begin uh, to look for a more accessible site where both of our campuses can come together. And we're not going to let the fact that we own facilities or that we're renting facilities uh, keep us from that goal. Since that time, we've been putting the, the, you remember the old saying, some of you remember this, you know, work like it depends on you, pray like it depends on God. We've been putting that, that to good use. We have toured schools all over town, We've brainstormed with realtors and, and developers. Uh, we've, we've called numbers on for sale signs and for rent signs all across the city. Uh, we've, we've called about places that didn't even have signs. I mean, we just like, hey, I don't even know if that place is for sale, but let's, let's find out who owns it and call them. And the reality is that there's just not a lot of places in Lynchburg that can accommodate the needs of a centralized campus. But the truth is this that we serve a God who tells us that if we have the faith of something as small as a mustard seed, we can move mountains. He promises us that nothing is impossible with faith. So here are the facts as we can share them. Okay, here they are. There is a specific location that we see has great potential. And we are excited about it as a leadership team. It is centrally located. It provides enough space for us all to meet and to grow, to grow together. And, and it's a facility that we could use throughout the week. So, so uh, right now we're, we're renting you know, a high school and we get it for seven hours. We don't get it for seven days. But this, this particular space is one we could use you know, seven days a week. But the reality is that there are, are a few mountains between us and this location right now. The main one is this, and this is, this is big, that there is a section of this property that is under a contractual, or is under a contract for a study period with another potential party. Now, I'm sure right now, all of you are kind of going through your list of possible locations. You know, what, you know is it this place? Is it this place? Let me do the math here. You know, um, but, but here's the deal at this point, at this point, we've got to leave it a mystery. Okay? Sharing more details could hurt our negotiations on this. So we're asking for your patience and we're asking for your understanding in this. Now I'm sharing this for two reasons. First, so that you know that we have been working actively throughout the summer to find an environment to gather together as one church, under one roof, under one vision, that makes room to invite new people into our community. Because, you know, it would be for naught to, 
to just get everybody together and just have enough room for us four and no more. No, we want a space that we can continue where you can invest and invite your friends to gather. So we want you to know that. We've, we've been working like it depends on us and praying like it depends on God. Which brings me to the second thing I want to ask you. I want to ask you to pray with us with urgency and with conviction that God parts the sea. But that he just, that he opens up the sea on this. To the same God who tells us that with the faith of a mustard seed, we can move mountains. To a God to whom nothing is impossible. We know that he has a great plan for Brentwood Church. I mean, we've been seeing the outpouring of his favor in this last season. And we believe that he wants to expand our reach and our influence in the community that he's placed us in. And so I want to ask you, will you boldly join us in praying that he moves this mountains, these mountains, and provides us with this location? Why? Why would we be praying that? Here's why. Because God has reserved something for the gathered church that doesn't show up in the scattered church. We just know that. And we want to be able to accommodate as many as possible under the vision and the mission that God has put in the heart of this church. Let's practice this right now. You know, some of you today, you need a breakthrough. You do. You know, you've been pushing against something and, and it's not budging. And you just need, you need the collective heart and the prayers and, and the support of this gathered church to help you get there. And if that's you, I want to invite you to come down and pray today. Maybe the person beside you who came, just, just, just lean over to them and say, man, I need a breakthrough today. Would you pray with me? Would you come, would you go intercede on behalf of this person for me? And maybe you want to light a candle today. Maybe you just need to encounter God's presence in a way you haven't in a long time. And that begins maybe with some confession. Maybe you're stuck and you need to get moving again. Listen, I want to always invite you to our response station to take communion, to confess, to intercede on somebody's behalf, whatever. I want to invite you to pray. Here's the deal. This is what the gathered church does. We sing together. Because why? Because it reminds us that we're not alone. And that we're a part of something bigger than ourselves. We hear sermons together that give us revelation and vision and insight on God's word and what he's doing in our community. We serve together. We use our spiritual gifts together. We use our time and our energy to give back to one another. So breakthroughs can happen. So encounters with God can be had. So that we get better and we go further as individuals and as family and as a church. Just respond today as God is leading you, as his spirit is guiding you. Would you stand with me and let's pray. Father, right now, I pray in Jesus' name that you give us the courage and you give us the strength to move forward into this next chapter you have for us. On behalf of this church, God, I ask that you move the mountains that are in the way of this gathering space. 
Father, that you would do something that we would just step back and go, only God could do that. That had nothing to do with the insight or the wisdom or the schemes of man. That is God's miraculous provision. I pray, Father, right now that the same would happen in the hearts of the people that are here today. In Jesus' name I pray this.